You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. to invite you to open up your Bibles, Bible you brought with you or the Bible that's there in the pew. And if you don't have a Bible, that Bible in pew is yours to take. It's a gift, gift for you or to maybe to give to someone in your life to John chapter 14. Open up there. And if we could put up the first slide as you're getting to John 15, we believe in the Holy Spirit. It's a line from the Apostles' Creed. And if you've been a part of the church for some period of time, you at some point in that journey have said the Apostles' Creed once at least and probably more than once. And this is one of the key lines that we say we believe. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And my question for you this morning is, how would you, you describe the Holy Spirit? How would you describe the Holy Spirit? And, and as you're ruminating about that for a second, I would make it even more specific, more pointed. How would you describe your relationship with the Holy Spirit? How would you describe the Holy Spirit and how would you describe your relationship with the Holy Spirit? And I ask this question because I find most followers of Jesus acknowledge the Holy Spirit as a core part of our Christian faith, as we say in the Apostles' Creed. And yet, despite acknowledging the Holy Spirit as a core part of our faith, many believers don't fully understand or truly embrace the Holy Spirit as a reality in their daily spiritual walk. So this fall at Grace, we're going to engage in a sermon series that's designed to resolve this disconnect. And in fact, in truth, this series, if you didn't know this, is based upon feedback many of you have given me over this last year. For more than 10 years as your pastor, I have repeatedly pointed to and underscored the presence and work of the Holy Spirit in our journey of faith as Christians. And yet very recently, much to my surprise, several in this community, and I'm not just talking about one person or five people, several people in this community have expressed some difficulty and confusion about the tangible manifestation, the practical outworking of the Holy Spirit in their everyday lives. In hearing this, really taking this to heart, and after some time spent in prayerful discernment, I became convinced this was exactly the direction the Lord wanted us to go together this fall. So here we are. Over the next few months, together we are going to reflect in some detail upon key biblical passages that illuminate the person, the role, and our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And by the grace of God, the goal of this series, my hope and my prayer, is to inspire and equip each of us to better understand and to more fully embrace the active daily role of the Holy Spirit in every area of witness, ministry, and mission as the body of Christ. This message today is going to lay the foundation for the rest of the whole series. Keep in mind this morning, please, that there are many things I'm going to be touching on that over the next few weeks I'll be diving into with more depth and detail. I was thinking about this and Many, many years back when I was studying to become a pastor, I did an internship, as I've shared with some of you before, at an urban African-American church 
which was one of the best experiences of my life. And um, I preached, and, and I'll just say this, those, th- that church was a lot more interactive than most white congregations are, say, which I loved. And I had preached a particular sermon one Sunday, and the, the pastor who I was mentoring under said, ah, oh, you know what, you just preached an mm-oh sermon. And I went, an mm-oh sermon? He goes, yeah, didn't you hear that that's what most people were saying? Mm, or oh, well, today's going to be a mm, or an oh, oh sermon. Now... I'm hoping that you'll mmm when you need to and ooh when you don't, but I'm not really holding my hopes up that much knowing this community. <laughs> so it'll be going on in my head if, no, if nowhere, nowhere else. So like I said, our primary focus today will be getting to know the Holy Spirit. And probably the best place to do this in Scripture is in the Gospel of John, specifically where Jesus formally introduces his disciples and to us to the Holy Spirit. And I want to acknowledge there's other references earlier in the Gospels to the Holy Spirit, but this is where Jesus goes into some detail. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be reading from chapter 14, but I want to make it clear, and I want you to keep those Bibles open so you can kind of follow along at times. This conversation about the Holy Spirit starts in 14, but really carries all the way through chapter 16. And I'm going to be digging into things Jesus has to say across all three chapters that help us get to know the Holy Spirit better. But for now, we're going to read from 14, and just to set the stage, this conversation is taking place, if you don't remember it, in the midst of great fear, uncertainty, and confusion. Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room. This is the night when Jesus will be betrayed, arrested, and begin his journey to the cross to die. Jesus knows his time has come, and he will be leaving his followers. But Jesus does not want them to be without some future perspective as well as some assurances. So Jesus speaks to them about many different subjects in these chapters. But one of the main things he talks about is the coming of the Holy Spirit. So from John chapter 14, actually starting in verse 16, you can read in your Bible or they're also going to be on the screen here. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and again, this is in reference to him leaving, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live on that day. You will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. Let me confess one of my earliest struggles with the Holy Spirit. Uh, As many of you know, I grew up Catholic. And so my introduction at an early age to the Holy Spirit was as the Holy Ghost. Therefore, for much of my early life, I pictured the Holy Spirit being something like this. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know who that is, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's not just Casper. The friendly ghost. That's very important. That's very important. 
So seriously, for much of my early life, when I heard about the Holy Spirit, I was like, oh, okay, I know that. And I'd actually sing the little song. Do you remember the little song? Casper, the friendly go. Okay, 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 okay. okay, okay. <laughs> now, I didn't stay there. As I grew up in my faith, I encountered others who were, say, what's the term, more charismatic? Um, more familiar with and knowledgeable about the Holy Spirit. They talked about the work of the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And given my previous picture of the Holy Spirit, you know, like something out of Scooby-Doo, I found myself in this weird tension between curiosity when I hear them talk and at the same time resistance, you know? My posture, therefore, towards the Holy Spirit became one of keeping the Holy Spirit at arm's length, you know? I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Holy Spirit, yes, but I ain't afraid of no ghosts, right? I wanted the Holy Spirit, I was curious, but I wanted the Holy Spirit to kind of keep its distance. So let me just start right here with something I learned because it was something that stayed with me for a long time. How did the Holy Spirit, that name, get translated as the Holy Ghost? And this is for all the nerds out there, the English nerds and language nerds. In early English translations of the Bible, the Latin word, and and most of our English Bibles are translated from the Latin, the Latin word spiritus was best translated in Old English. We're going back to like King James, right? Spiritus was best translated in Old English as gashed, gashed, or ghost. But back then, the use of the word gashed or ghost didn't necessarily mean as it does today, spooky things that haunt houses, Ghost was just another word for spirit. It was interchangeable. In fact, the old English word gosht comes, has origins with the German word geist. Have you ever heard of the German word geist? And we have a word in English, it's not very used very often, called zeitgeist. Zeitgeist, which means the spirit of the times. So that's where this whole idea, it was just a translation that as time has evolved, we're like, ghost, that's got some connotations. But back then, it just was interchangeable with spirit. Now, despite me clearing this up for you, I still think many of us conceive the Holy Spirit to being something like an ethereal ghost, or even sometimes people talk about it like a mystical force, you know, like Star Wars, the force is with you, you know, and Christians go, well, I don't believe in the force, the spirit is with you, always, right? But one of the first things we see here is Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. One of the first things Jesus makes clear is the Holy Spirit is not a ghost, but a person, The person of the Holy Spirit is what we're talking about. Notice, Jesus, in introducing the Holy Spirit, does not refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, but rather as a he. Notice how many times, him, 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 but you know him. He lives with you and will be in you. And before we get too hung up on the continued use of personal masculine pronouns, thinking that somehow the Holy Spirit is male, It's interesting to know that the Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit is feminine. And other times in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is referred to without an article of gender, as you see at the bottom. It's referred to, we often have it see it translated as receive the Holy Spirit because it sounds weird, but actually it should be receive Holy Spirit. And so right from the get-go, based on Jesus' description here and what we find in the rest of the Bible that lines up with this, the Holy Spirit is not a ghost or an impersonal force that binds us and holds all the galaxy together, right? The Holy Spirit is a person with all the characteristics of personhood. Jesus, even in how he speaks here, but we could go elsewhere. When you read through the scriptures, you find, as the next two slides will show you, the Spirit thinks. The Spirit speaks. The Spirit leads. Next slide. 
The Spirit comforts. The Spirit grieves. The Spirit cautions. These are all the characteristics of personhood. So right from the outset, the correct question we should be asking this morning is not what is the Holy Spirit, but who is the Holy Spirit? And if we go even further than that, if you were paying attention when I was reading from John 14, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as not just any person, but as the person of God. Another way of saying this, well, first let me show you. Look what he says, I will come to you, and I am in you, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus speaks of himself in the same person as the Holy Spirit. It's, there's this collective understanding. And another way of saying this is the Holy Spirit is not just any person. It's the person of God. It's part of a unique person of the Godhead. And if that word Godhead is new to you, the word Godhead comes from Godhood, and it refers to the deity of God. Specifically, it refers to this idea of God as being Trinity, a triunity of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the basis for this concept of the Trinity or the Godhead comes straight from the Bible, from the experience of the first Christians who encountered this one God in the three distinct persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, here in 14, in verse 26, we have one of the key verses as the slide comes up where we witness the clear reference to God as three persons and yet being one and the same God. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, that's Jesus, as I have said to you, all three mentioned at the same time. And again, the way Jesus describes it here and elsewhere, each person of the Godhead, each person of the Trinity is distinct from the other two, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But in experiencing one of the three, we experience the one God who is them all. Now, if you're like going, Wah, right? And often when we talk about the Trinity or the Godhead, that's what happens. If you're having a hard time wrapping your head around this concept, don't worry. Because it took the early church almost 200 years to be able to adequately and appropriately put this reality of the Trinity that we see in Scripture into words. And what I want to encourage you this morning in bringing this up is not to get lost, and I know many of you are right now, get lost in the functionality of how this all works, but instead focus on what this reveals. This reveals the relational nature of our God. God is not lonely, in other words. God didn't create us because God was bored or wanted some company. God exists as a community of three persons. In creating us, in pursuing us, in saving us, in transforming us, this triune God is inviting us into a relationship. Relationship with this Godhead, with him. So when we ask, who is the Holy Spirit? The answer is the Holy Spirit is not just a person, but the person of God. The third manifestation of God's personality, if you will. In our ongoing developing, and hopefully maturing relationship with God, think about this. The Holy Spirit is the person in the Godhead with whom we are to have the most direct dealings in this present age. If we want to cultivate our relationship with God, we need to get to know the Holy Spirit, in other words. Because the Holy Spirit is the extension of God, God the God we most directly encounter in this time before Jesus returns. Now, you might be thinking as you're hearing this, well, how do we relate to someone like the Holy Spirit? And that was a question I asked as I came to understand the Holy Spirit more as the person and as the person of God. And I, you know, one thing that occurred to me is no doubt the disciples wondered the very same thing. You know, Jesus is describing this and the disciples are like, yeah, this is cool and all, but how do we relate 
to this Holy Spirit. Because the way the Holy Spirit's described, and you're going to see this through this series, this is a unique relationship. The Holy Spirit is like no one else whom we relate to on a day-to-day basis. And again, I want to just encourage you, this series is going to unpack how we engage this unique relationship with the Holy Spirit. For now, I want to focus on getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit a little bit better. And there are three things from what Jesus shares with us in chapters 14 through 16 that I want to highlight for you about getting to know the Holy Spirit. The very first is that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. Listen to what Jesus says. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you because I live, you will also live. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus is referring to giving us his love, making his home with us, helping us to know we are loved through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our assurance of belonging, that we are God's beloved children, not just God's subjects. You know, some of us have a relationship as if, you know, God is king, and God is king, king of all creation, king of the universe, but we have sort of a, we're subjects to God. And God is very clear that while, yes, everything is subject to him as king, his preferred way of engaging us, the way he wants us to understand him is as his children. We are his children. And the assurance that we are his children, that we have been adopted, that we're not orphans, that we're not just subjects, is through the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our security that God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's salvation, God's peace are real and present realities in our lives Many of us struggle. We hear about grace. We hear about forgiveness. We hear about salvation. We get fixated on, but I just don't know if I believe. I don't know if grace is real. I don't know if forgiveness actually, I've truly been forgiven. And the reality is, it's the Holy Spirit that assures us, the Holy Spirit that just pours love into us so that we can be settled down and know, yes, grace is real and it's moving in your life. Yes, you are forgiven. You are completely forgiven. It's covered, all of it on the cross. Yes, you can be at peace because you don't have to fear death because God has a purpose and a plan for your life. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the spirit of love transforming and shaping us. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you caught it. Um, actually, I don't, I don't think we read it in chapter 14, but if you've read this before, there's something in between 14 and 16 in these chapters that really is shocking. Jesus makes this shocking statement in the midst of this conversation that had to have caused the disciples to drop their mouths open and raise their eyebrows. At a bare minimum, scratch their heads. And what I'm referring to is something that comes up a little bit later when Jesus makes a shocking claim. And look at the slide on the screen. He says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Think about this. Think about what Jesus just said here. Jesus makes this claim that it's better that he return to heaven so the Holy Spirit could come and be with them. Really? That's better? I think most of us today would say we'd rather have Jesus here and now rather than the mysterious, seemingly elusive Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, I talk to people, I want, I'd rather, why can't Jesus be he, walking the earth when I was alive? And just totally neglecting the reality of the Holy Spirit. Because like, Holy Spirit, that, there's something mysterious and elusive about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to unpack that in this series. So I'd just rather have Jesus. But Jesus says, no, actually it's better if I'm not here. It's better if you have the Holy Spirit. How could this be better? How could it be better to have the Holy Spirit than to have Jesus with us? And here it is. Through Jesus, 
And this is big. This is huge. Don't, I'm not under, under, you know, negating this. But through Jesus, God was with us. And that's epic. That's huge. God was with us in the flesh. But through the Holy Spirit, God is not only with us, God is with us by being in us. God's presence inside of us is better than God's presence beside us. You ever thought about that? That's why Jesus says it's better for you to have the person of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I can walk alongside you, but I can be with you by being in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. This takes the idea of the incarnation, that fancy word we use in the church, the incarnation, God in the flesh through Jesus Christ to a whole nother level. God incarnates himself. God comes to us. God is the closest he can ever be to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ with us today. It's, if you've ever wondered, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, is how Jesus keeps his promise. Do you remember the promise he makes at the end of the Gospel of Matthew when he commissions the disciples? And lo, I will be with you always, Jesus says, to the very end of the age. The person of the Holy Spirit is how Jesus keeps his promise to be with us literally till the end of the age. Another way of saying this for you is the Holy Spirit is the difference maker between knowing about God, knowing about Jesus as an idea or as a doctrine. And many of you know about Jesus as an idea. Many of you can articulate the doctrine of Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit is the difference between knowing Jesus, the Father, God, as an idea or a doctrine and encountering and experiencing God, Christ, as someone you know. Someone you know. As a confidant, as a mentor, as a friend, as Lord and Savior, if these are foreign to you, then you don't know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the love of God, the love that is God in Christ, poured into our hearts and our minds and our souls, giving us peace, instilling confidence, and speaking affection and encouragement that we matter to God, that God longs for us, that God treasures us. And if you're someone in your life who struggles with experiencing, knowing that love of God, the answer to that is knowing the person of the Holy Spirit. John said it best, not here in his gospel, but in the first letter he wrote to the church. He said it best when he said this, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. But in getting to know the Holy Spirit, Jesus also lets us know the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And of course, this makes sense, right? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth because this makes sense because earlier, Jesus declared himself to be the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. And if the Holy Spirit is the person of God, the spirit of Christ, then of course, the spirit is truth. And Jesus tells us, the advocate will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit teaches us what is true. And notice the revelation of what is true according to Jesus. The revelation of what is true by the Holy Spirit does not come out of abstraction, out of nowhere. The Holy Spirit reveals what is true from the word of God, from the scriptures, from the life and testimony of Christ. I mean, when we talk about the Holy Spirit being the spirit of truth, one aspect of this is the Holy Spirit unveils our eyes to who Jesus is. Many people don't recognize Christ 
as the Son of God, as our Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes it clear who Jesus is to a person. I mean, we receive this in the Gospels, right? When Jesus asks the question, who do you say I am? And Peter gives the, the you know, top of the class answer and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus doesn't go, Peter, man, you're just so much smarter than everybody else. Dude, you studied, man. You studied so well. Good job. No, Jesus says, this is not of you. You did not realize this on your own. The Holy Spirit made this clear to you. And Peter, who's like, well, I'm, I'm awesome, goes, well, when Jesus starts to talk about the rest of the stuff that comes with being the Christ, all of a sudden the Spirit is no longer who Peter's listening to. And Peter starts to say, you can't die. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, how do you understand that turn from giving the best answer to the worst answer? It's the Holy Spirit, person of the Holy Spirit. And Peter acknowledging and responding to the Holy Spirit's insight. The Spirit enables us and veils our eyes to who Jesus is. This is important. So sometimes when you have people in your life who you're frustrated with because you've just gone out of your way to share with them who Christ is, open up the Bible, the whole thing, you can give the best explanation. You can be doing all kinds of gymnastics, theological gymnastics, but that person still goes, I just don't believe. I don't recognize Christ as the Messiah. The reality is that you've done everything you can. That is a work of the Holy Spirit and only a work of the Holy Spirit. When you think about yourself, cradle, Christian, or somewhere along the line you came to faith, you may at some point, and we all do this, kind of go, well, when did I accept Christ? I hate it when people go, I made a personal decision for Christ. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. God made a personal decision for you. And you finally got knocked on the head and said, you know what? I'm going to agree to that. Yes, I'm going I'm to enter into that. But it's not like you did it on your own. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to see who Christ is. Push it even further, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is the one that makes the word come alive. Many people know more about the Bible than they do about the Holy Spirit. And many people have read the Bible cover to cover, can quote it backwards and forwards and rip it apart and have no belief in Jesus or God whatsoever. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes the Bible come alive. When we speak of the Bible as a living word, it's a living word because the spirit of truth helps us to understand and see and, under, and recognize what it's saying. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the word of God. Apart from the spirit, this is just a book. You need to hear this. Apart from the Holy Spirit, this is just a book. The Holy Spirit inspired what was written and the Holy Spirit inspires us, reveals the truth to us as we read God's word. And I'm not just making this up. Jesus repeatedly stresses we can only understand the word of God, and that includes his word. We can only follow him, Jesus says, through the initiative of the Holy Spirit, through our ongoing connection to the Holy Spirit. And there are some of us here who could be Bible scholars. You know the Bible cover to cover. You can quote chapter and verse. But if you are doing that in your own strength, if you are doing that on your own, you are inherently dangerous. Because what makes this a living word, what makes this the salvific word of God is the Holy Spirit. I only need to remind you, in Jesus' temptation in the desert, the devil was great at quoting scripture. The devil was great at quoting scripture. Quoting scripture, knowing your Bible is great. But if that knowledge of the Bible comes without the spirit of truth, beware. Beware. The Holy Spirit is how we come to understand the word of God. Paul, echoing Jesus, repeated, was convinced. He, he, he writes, our exposure to and study of the word of God without the illumination of the Holy Spirit was useless. And think about that. Think about who Paul was 
before and after encountering the, encountering the Holy Spirit. What do we know about Paul? What, what does Paul tell us later on? Paul was a Pharisee. He knew the word of God, the Torah, like the back of his hand, right? But he was fundamentally changed when he encountered the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit encountered him, when he encountered the person of the Holy Spirit, he suddenly understood the word of God. He suddenly understood it for what it really meant, what it really was saying. It changed his entire life because in that encounter with the Holy Spirit. One of the things I love that Jesus says here is that the Holy Spirit not only teaches us, but the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Truth also involves being enabled to remember. You catch that? And he will remind you of everything I have said to you. This is so important to me because we are a forgetful people. We are an absent-minded people, right? I mean, we forget what Jesus taught us. We forget We forget to take the time to open up our Bibles and clarify what Jesus told us. We forget to pray to ask for wisdom and discernment based on the counsel of Christ. And it's not just an us problem. Being forgetful. If you know anything about the Gospels, by the way, you will know the disciples had a great problem with this. They failed to learn many of the lessons Jesus taught them, and they forgot many of the truths that he laid down for them And it was the Holy Spirit who all of a sudden woke them up, opened their eyes. Part of the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth is a remembrancer. I love that. The Holy Spirit taps us on the shoulder. The Holy Spirit puts a bee in our bonnet. The Holy Spirit raises up a word of scripture within us. The Holy Spirit looks us straight in the eye and speaks to us through the accountability of another believer. That's the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the truth we forget. And this is so important because without the Holy Spirit, we find ourselves speaking of finding or creating our own truth. And that's very much, it's it's very much been popular in any age. But we talk, especially more and more these days, of about people finding their own truth. I, I found my truth. I found what works for me. And that sounds very liberating. That sounds very freeing. That sounds very, yeah, let's get behind that. But be careful. Because the problem we have is when my truth and your truth don't line up. Because when that happens, whose truth wins? When your truth doesn't work for me, I love this idea that we all think we can just peacefully coexist with our own truth. That's your truth and this is my truth and we just peacefully coexist. And for the most part, we seem to make that happen. But the reality is under the surface, we're not happy, we're not content, we're not getting along. Because at the end of the day, you know this, we love to argue Yeah, that's your truth, but your truth is wrong. My truth is right. The only resolution to this, my truth, your truth, we find our own truth, is the objective truth of God that is given to us through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, we discover and understand God's truth. Not my truth, not your truth. We discover through the Holy Spirit who we are in Christ. Not who I think I am, not who others say I am, but who God says I am in Christ. Through the Holy Spirit, we discover the truth of how we have been gifted, positioned, and equipped not only to serve the Lord, but in so doing to find purpose, to experience fulfillment and contentment and personal growth we could not achieve on our own. And there are many of you out here today, and I know it, who are struggling with questions of identity, who are struggling with questions of what's my purpose? What am I called to do? How can I find fulfillment? And you are continuing to seek to find that truth 
on your own, through someone else telling you. You're seeking to try to find that truth through another book that's telling you all the ways that you can self-actualize. And I am here to tell you that if you want to know who you are, if you want to know what your purpose is, if you want to experience fulfillment and contentment, if you want to experience personal growth that you cannot achieve on your own, that doesn't just come today and is gone tomorrow, you need the spirit of truth. You need to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Being in relationship with the Holy Spirit ends up making God's call upon your life personal for you. Pastor John just preached a whole series on work and how God created us for work, and we talked about call. And for many of us, we're still looking at that from a distance. I don't get this. I don't experience this. Get to know the person of the Holy Spirit, and you will understand God's call upon your life in a personal way. Bigger than that, encountering the person of the Holy Spirit will make each of us aware that we're not in it. We're not here just for ourselves, but that we are part of something bigger, something better, that we are in it together as the body of Christ. That's the spirit of truth. And this leads us to our last observation about the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of power. Our relationship with God, as we, talk, as we acknowledge, is founded on grace, Right? Our relationship with God is founded on grace. God giving us what we don't deserve and what we cannot achieve or earn on our own. Life itself, the very life that we're experiencing right now, salvation from death, unconditional love, abiding hope by the grace of God, nothing we deserve, nothing we can earn or achieve on our own. God always makes the first move. And what we're going to see through this series is that move is through the Holy Spirit. Notice how Jesus underscores that the Holy Spirit initiates our relationship, the world's relationship with God. When he comes, the Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit proves to the world, convicts and convinces us of our sin, convicts and convinces us of what is right, and what is just convicts and convinces us of our absolute and desperate need for God. The Holy Spirit enables us to have faith and believe in Christ. The Holy Spirit prompts us to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit sustains us through our questions, our doubts, our struggles along the way. Again and again, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as the comforter, the helper, or the advocate. As the next slide comes up, you'll see the Greek word for it. It is parakaletos. And parakaletos, when we think of, we, it often gets translated in our Bibles as comforter or helper. But I think when we think of a comforter, right, we imagine someone coming along and covering us with a blanket and patting us on the back and saying, there, there, it'll be all right. But that is not the connotation of this word. That is not what Jesus has in view here. The Spirit is not just giving us a blanket and telling us, there, there, it's going to be all right. The person of the Holy Spirit is an encourager, infusing us with boldness and confidence in Christ. The Holy Spirit strengthens us, equipping us with what we need to live for Jesus. The Holy Spirit, as we'll see in this series, empowers us to be fruitful. There is fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, in other words, enables us to become who we were created to be, our best, true, and fullest selves. In fact, Paul will talk elsewhere that the Holy Spirit empowers us so much that the Holy Spirit empowers us by praying on our behalf, speaking for us when we don't even have the words, when we can't find what to say as we pray to God, the Holy Spirit speaks. 
The Holy Spirit not only empowers us, but the Holy Spirit empowers us to bear the gospel to point to Jesus in and through our lives. He will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. He will glorify me. He will make known to you what he receives from me. And this isn't a, you know, you must also testify like, but you have to. We can't help but do this. The Spirit empowers us to share, to bear witness. The Spirit empowers us with what we need to say and how to say it. The Spirit empowers us by prompting us when we need to speak to others, guiding us in terms of what we need to say or how to say it, or when we just need to listen and have said enough. And for many of us, you know, in sharing your faith or talking about your relationship with Christ, you struggle with that. Oh, I can't talk about my faith. I'm not an evangelist. I can't share about the gospel. I don't have enough knowledge. Hogwash. Hogwash. It's not about your knowledge. It's not about whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. It's not about, you know, your, your level of comfort. If you have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will empower you. The Holy Spirit will give you confidence. The Holy Spirit will give you courage. The Holy Spirit will give you even the words to say or not to say. The Holy Spirit will tell you when to shut up. (laughs) The Holy Spirit will also tell you, and this is the reason why we also get really nervous, when talking is great, listening is fine, but now it's time to act. The Holy Spirit will empower us to act. And when we act, if you're afraid, what am I, I don't even know what I'm doing here. The Holy Spirit gives us the courage and the wisdom to act. To act in a manner that is just. To act in a manner that loves mercy. To act in a manner that walks humbly before God. And I'm here to tell you as we go through this series, there's a tangible difference between just kind of jumping off the ledge and going, I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit and whatever versus the intentionality, the purposefulness of the Holy Spirit to empower you. That you honestly will know what to say. You'll know what to do. You'll know how to act. And like any relationship, it will deepen over time. I mean, think about this, guys. You know, Jesus talks about loving each other, even to the point of loving our enemies. And we always look at that and we're like, that's just crazy. I mean, it's hard enough to love my family sometimes, right? And you want me to love my enemies? The answer to loving your enemies is the person of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers even enemies to be reconciled to God and each other. It's the Holy Spirit that, in fact, makes what we're doing here even possible. I mean, there could be little doubt as I look around this room that here today are a lot of different individuals. No one in this room is the same. We all have our unique talents and gifts. We all come from different backgrounds and perspectives. In fact, we are all so different in this room that I would imagine that under normal circumstances, it would be hard for us to agree and get along with each other. I mean, if we just had a couple of conversation starters at the barbecue, you know, talk about a couple of things, you know, current events, politics, all that kind of stuff. I imagine all of a sudden people would be throwing hot dogs and hamburgers at each other. <laughs> so how is it possible that we're together like this? the person of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the glue that binds us first to Christ and then joins us to one another, forging our unity as followers of Jesus in the midst of our great diversity. The Spirit binds us together as one body in Christ in order for us to care for one another, love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, help one another, All of these things, even as though we may look across the the way at the other person and go, I think you are totally crazy. 
I completely disagree with everything. I don't like any of the things you like. Under normal circumstances, we would not be hanging out together, but I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to hold you up. I'm going to help you. That doesn't come from within us. That comes from the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit is the key. When we talk, when we imagine, when we here at Grace are are speaking about flourishing together in Christ, to live lives that are driven, that radiate to others the goodness of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is the key. Jesus made this clear, by the way, to his first disciples through the very first instruction he gave to them after he ascended into heaven. Do you remember the very first instruction Jesus gave to his disciples after he ascended to heaven? You're going to say, go and make disciples, and I'm going to tell you you're wrong. His very first instruction to them is, don't do anything. Don't do anything. Do nothing. Don't do anything. It's his first instruction to the disciples after he goes to heaven. I mean, what? Are you serious? Don't do anything. The rest of it is until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The reality is he told them to do nothing until the Holy Spirit came upon them. He told them to do nothing because there was nothing they could do for the kingdom of God without the power of the Holy Spirit. And beloved, without the Holy Spirit, I'm here to tell you, we are powerless. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. We can do nothing that makes a lasting, eternal difference in ourselves or in this world. And at the end of the day, that's the stuff that matters. That's the stuff that lasts. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Like I shared earlier, for a long time in my Christian life, the Holy Spirit was sort of like the third wheel of the Trinity, you know? You ever heard that expression, third wheel? Third wheel is someone who's unnecessary to a group and is sort of tagging along. You know, it's sort of like three's a crowd and therefore somebody's bound to get left out. Well, for me, it was the Holy Spirit. God the Father, no problem. Jesus the Son, all right. The Holy Spirit, yeah, whatever, whatever. I was told that the Holy Spirit lived inside of me because the Bible said so and I believed it, but I never spoke to him. Most of the time, if I'm really honest, I forgot the Holy Spirit was even there. And as I mentioned earlier, if his name did get mentioned, someone brought up the Holy Spirit, I was afraid the Holy Spirit might actually show up in my life. But then I got to know the Holy Spirit. I learned actually primarily, it, was not, it started there, but really what, where the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to who he was, the person of the Holy Spirit, was in a study of the book of Acts. And that's part of why we're doing this on Wednesday. And I want to encourage you, if this is speaking to you, if this is an area that God is, the Spirit is calling you to get to know him better, come on Wednesday. Because it was for me, through the book of Acts, that's where it started, that I learned the Holy Spirit had a personality. The Holy Spirit was not some robotic, cosmic force but intimately knew each person. The Holy Spirit, I witnessed it in the book of Acts, empowered everyday ordinary people to share and spread an extraordinary gospel. And getting to know the Holy Spirit changed my life. Let me put it to you this way. My life was saved by Jesus, but my life has been changed and continues to be changed through my relationship with the Father, with Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. If you're here today, and if you find yourself a Christian, but someone who continues to feel powerless in your life, 
If you're someone who continues to find your life haunted by unforgiveness, you can't forgive. If you find yourself continuing to fall back into the things that used to mark your life before you were in a relationship with Christ, or you find yourself in things that you're hiding because ultimately you're like, you know, these are not supposed to be the things of Christ and yet I'm doing them, I'm engaging them. If you find yourself in a situation where basically this relationship, this faith of G- in Jesus Christ is just kind of rules and regulations that you follow, the things, you, beliefs that you just adhere to, you check off. If you're here today and it's just a lifestyle, you know, you grew up a Christian, you fell in with Christians, they were nice people, they were cool, they were really good to you, and this is just sort of a lifestyle that you conform to, I want to invite you to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Because what you're settling for, what you think is this faith we call Christianity is so much more. If you want to have an active, vibrant, dynamic life that's not without its challenges, that's not without its struggles, but a life where you are growing, a life where you are maturing, a life where you aren't running in circles, where you aren't coming back to the same place all the time in your relationship with God, in your relationship with yourself, in your relationship with others, get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the key. The Holy Spirit is the key to us becoming who we were meant to be, who we can be, who we want to be. And the Holy Spirit is the key to the kingdom of God being on earth as it is in heaven. If that is your desire, if that is your longing, then I'm going to encourage you throughout this series to pray a very, very simple prayer. And it's how I'm going to close today. I'm going to say it, then I'm going to invite you to say it. It's simple but it will send shockwaves through your mind, your heart, and your soul. It's this prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill the heart of your faithful. Will you say it with me? Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill the hearts of your faithful. Amen.